Hey guys, thanks for joining us for this 99th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests on this episode include hosts of the Believe in Sports Law on Believe Podcast Network, founder and managing attorney at California sports lawyer Jeremy Evans will be visiting about the latest Supreme Court ruling against the NCAA. We'll also visit with actress, influencer, and podcast host Haley Hasselhoff about her new podcast, Redefine You, a conversation for well-being. We'll also visit with iconic rocker Gary Newman about his new album, Intruder. Of course, if you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and share with your friends. Now, some of us packed on a few pounds last year. Luckily, losing weight, or at least leveling off, is also possible. Now, here are four sneaky things that contribute to weight gain. Number one, focusing too much on calories in, calories out. Now, the types of food matter too, not just how many calories you eat. A diet that's heavy in processed food will cause your blood sugar to spike and make you feel hungry all the time. Number two, only snacking on unhealthy stuff. Now, there are healthy snacks too, like nuts. They've got a lot of more nutrition going on than what you'd get from a donut or a bag of chips. Remember, not every snack has to be your favorite thing in the world to eat. Number three, eating vegetables, but the wrong kind. Try not to lean on starchy vegetables as much like potatoes and peas. Non-starchy things like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, carrots, and mushrooms do a better job of making you feel full longer. And number four, too much sitting around. The American Heart Association says we need at least two hours and 30 minutes of moderate exercise a week. For example, a 30-minute brisk walk five times a week. Now, even before the pandemic, only 20% of Americans were hitting that number. Sports attorney and friend of the show, Jeremy Evans. And first off, Jeremy, we got uh, some, some information to talk about. It's always great to visit with you, my friend. Oh, pleasure and always honored and, and humbled to be with you, my friend. Thank you. Now, Jeremy, this week, uh, the NCAA rules on athlete compensation, that's all been <laughs> thrown away, what everybody's kind of uh, grown accustomed to. And Jeremy, I know there's a lot of misconceptions about what the Supreme Court ruling really says, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of discuss this and share with our listeners about the new guidelines, if you will. No, thank you. Yeah, and pleasure to be with you. And so the NCAA decision, it was a 9 nothing decision by the uh, U.S. Supreme Court on Monday. And the narrow interpretation, according to um, the majority opinion, which is obviously 9 nothing, but there's also a, a concurrent opinion that was issued by Justice Brett Kavanaugh. But I think Neil Gorsuch uh, wrote the majority opinion. And essentially what it says is that schools the NCAA and universities cannot limit the amount of scholarships that are given to their student athletes or really just students in general. But mostly what we're talking about is student athletes because that's what schools will, would, would um, essentially compete for in this model, right? Although ideally or you know, conceivably you could compete for non-sports students as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what this does is it opens up an opportunity for schools to – you know, mid-level schools, mid-major schools, um, schools across the country that if they had a little extra money, they can offer some scholarship dollars to students. Now, 
does this mean that schools are going to go out and buy cars? No. Um, although conceivably there could be a situation where you and I might be talking a few years from now and it'd be like, well, such and such school got in trouble for providing a school to, you know, X, Y, Z athlete. Right. So, you know, and, and they could make the argument it's in sort of a tongue in cheek way that, well, transportation is required to get to school and they needed a car to get to school. But, um, <laughs> I think what this really means is that schools are going to be in a better spot to compete for students. So I, I think in that sense, it's a good thing. Now, the second piece to this, which is somewhat related, but not talked about in the decision is name, image, and likeness. And to me, with the state legislatures patching, passing legislation on NIL, July 1st being this big date with regard to uh, opening that up, uh, the NCAA coming out and making the decision that they're not going to uh, pursue NIL rules at this time, pursue a waiver for schools to do this. It is related because the Supreme court, what they're essentially saying, you know, the, the spirit of what they're saying is that they don't want schools limiting what athletes can make. And it, it might be a stretch to say that, but I think that these two things are, are somewhat related, but the main decision was schools can compete for students in terms of providing scholarship dollars. You mentioned it there, name and likeness. One of the things that all of us uh, gaming nerds always wonder about is, when is NCAA football going to be be able to be realistic again? Right. You know what? And and that's a really good question. And it's funny because there was actually some talk of this prior to the NCAA um, uh, Austin Supreme Court. And it I think it was Notre Dame and a couple of other schools that opted out of the EA Sports stuff. But to me, that's like one of the, you know, obviously you're going to have your car dealerships and your potential for apparel deals, um, you know, shoe deals, this sort of thing. You're going to have opportunities like that. But to me, if you could get into a situation where you, I mean, talk about how big esports is and how big <laughs> e you know, gaming is, right? Like that's where the money is. Right. And if, if you've got a situation where you get these college athletes, maybe let's say they take 50% or they take a percentage of, uh, the revenue or the fees, you know, get a licensing fee. Mm -hmm. That to me is, I think where the, where the huge dollars are. And then of course, individual states set up rules as to how that looks for them. You know, you can have on one hand, California's model, which is basically open market, free market, do what you wish. Just don't compete with the underlying university's deals. Meaning you can't wear Adidas on the field. If, um, if you know, they have a deal with Jordan or Nike, right. Right. And then, but then you can take Georgia's model, which is completely different, which says, yes, you can do name, image, and likeness, but we're going to pull 74.9% of the money and give it to other athletes in the system uh, that are, that are not sort of high profile or not in the whole pro high profile sports. And then they also have a moral prohibition uh, that is sort of, you can't sign up uh, for deals like in the sin industry, so to speak, you know, uh, cannabis, uh, alcohol, gambling, that sort of thing. And we, we mentioned this is mainly for the sports, the athletes. Now, does this open doors for, like you mentioned, other ventures in school aside from sports? I think so. I mean, you know, I, I think doing the, I think the gambling, the alcohol and the cannabis stuff is probably going to be off limits for all 50 states. I just don't. I don't see that happening. I also don't see a federal law being passed. Mm -hmm. 
so that we have this, people often forget we have a constitutional republic and all powers are pretty much reserved to the states, except for a few things for the federal, you know, the federal government. And so I think for the most part, we're going to see 50 state laws and may, some states may not even pass a law, you know, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that these students won't be able to do name, image, and likeness. Because it's not the states that, that really determine that. I think California jumped the gun and got the conversation started uh, by passing their Fair Pay to Play Act. But really, this was the NCAA. Because if you want to be an NCAA member institution and you want to be an NCAA athlete, it's followed by their rules. No different than a country club, right? If you want to be a part of the country club, you got to follow the rules. Right. But I think there is a ton of opportunity here, to your point, tech investments, uh, any sort of sports partnerships. Um, there's a lot of startup companies, you know, you can, and as with any sponsorship or brand partnership, you can offer really three things. The first is straight up money, you know, pay somebody to market a product on social media. The second is that uh, you can offer a mix of product and money, mm-hmm. or, you know, you can offer some sort of, you know, equity in the company. And I've seen all three of those things done. And then of course, the other thing I'll note about Georgia's law, which I forgot to mention is that there's a year prohibition uh, on um, you cannot take the money that you earn until a year after you graduate or a year after you leave school. And it's put like in an escrow account. Now, Jeremy, for you, what do you think that uh, with this being the federal passage, if some of the states do things different, do you think that gives an advantage or a disadvantage to a school as a result? Yeah, that's a fair question. And, and I actually like it. I think competition is a good thing. Um, to me, I think the thing that people often forget uh, is that if let's say you and I are both athletic directors at, uh, let's say that you're at a, um, you know, major institution mm-hmm. and I'm at a, you know, small school in uh, Mississippi. Well, let's say we're both going after the number one quarterback in the country. Now, normally the number one quarterback in the country is going to go to either a coastal school or a school in um, a big conference or what have you. Mm-hmm. But if me as a smaller school comes along and says, well, hey, we have this extra money from boosters, we don't have to compete. We, we can compete on the same level by offering more money or offering a better, better scholarship. I think that actually opens up some, some opportunities. And of course, if states want to pass NIL laws, that are more beneficial than others. And that's okay. I mean, this happens in every other industry. If for example, um, you know, you want to sell a certain product in one state or, you know, or you want to have a certain business in one state or certain businesses moving to a certain area of the country because it has better tax laws. That's okay. You know, I think that's the legislature's prerogative. And um, I think ultimately students are going to choose, you know, there's going to be, I guess maybe kind of backing up a little bit. There's probably people are going to be surprised about how big and how small NIL is Hmm. because on the larger side, you're going to have, yes, the top quarterbacks, running backs, starting five of a basketball team, having, you know, access to uh, some serious NIL money, but it all comes down to social media. The person, the athlete has to have an underlying social media account with a lot of followers. And this is where a lot of equity and parity comes in play by nature of the fact that you could have a top volleyball player at a school with 700,000 followers mm-hmm. and the starting quarterback could have a hundred thousand. Well, that, that person with that 700,000 followers is going to have opportunity to make more money because 
the brands are paying based on how many followers and what your level of engagement is. So I think it actually opens up opportunities. I think competition is a good thing in, in this, in this context. And Jeremy, for you this last year with, uh, with everything being the way it has been as a sports attorney, has the landscape changed for you over these, uh, these last 12 to, to 18 months? You know, what's funny is, you know, it has changed, but I think with people being at home and spending more time at home and their families, I think they got to work more. Uh, they were able to focus more. So in, in, uh, I've talked with a lot of business owners and if you were set up to be digital or set up to be virtual in the first place, um, or at least had an online presence, I think that business may have actually increased for you. But I, it is interesting because what we've seen from the sports side is an acceleration in a lot of different things, an acceleration of moving sports to streaming and having more streaming opportunities when it comes to live sports. We've seen uh, an explosion in uh, sports documentaries. And, and there has definitely been a change. And of course, you look at the college football playoff, looking at ways to increase uh, you know, its exposure and going from four teams to 12. Uh, we've seen the NFL add a football game, add a 17th game, and now they're thinking about adding an 18th game. And now they're thinking about adding a game in Germany, like they, or even in Mexico City where they do it every year. So I think we've kind of seen the move. I guess the two biggest takeaways would be the, the sort of mass move to virtual and digitalization and streaming. But then the other side of it is that this mass move of college sports to act more like professional leagues, where it be, you know, uh, not so much conference realignment because that's already happened, but, you know, things like where you're talking about NIL, this NCAA decision, um, you know, um, esports, gaming, you know, a lot of the major schools in the country now have esports programs. And of course, those are not regulated by the NCAA, similar to cheerleading, where, um, since they're not regulated by the NCAA, cheerleaders have been making money off name, image, and likeness for years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, not something that most people, um, you know, think about. That's right. Now, Jeremy, the host of the Believe in the Sports Law on the Believe Podcast Network, uh, tell our listeners what they can expect and, and more information about the podcast and the upcoming episodes you've got. No, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, as, as you know, as a fellow podcast host, I mean, it seems like, um, you know, coming up with the creative and coming up with the ideas is always, <laughs> is always maybe the hardest part, right. And getting the right guest. And, you know, I, I made a huge mistake on the, one of the recent episodes I did, I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> 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 so I had this, I had this great guest on and it, and it, um, and it didn't get recorded, but thankfully the guest was gracious enough to, to, uh, to set up a time to re-record. But, you know, I guess for me, I'm really following this, this NCAA stuff. I mean, that's going to be interesting. I'm following the sports streaming. Um, I'm following how a lot of the uh, sports franchises are really, you know, uh, kind of turning themselves into like some serious like Wall Street players when it comes to investing and SPACs and all that stuff. Uh, and I also do, you know, half my practice is entertainment. And so a lot of the stuff I do is with entertainment and streaming and content, some of the deals going on there. Obviously the Warner brothers discovery deal was a, was a huge thing. Um, theaters coming back and whether we're going to see a sort of combination between people watching, you know, 
new movies from home or whether they're going to get back in the theater. But I, I sort of have a hopeful idea that people will kind of get back to going to sporting events and all that. But, um, those are kind of some of the things that I'm following and, you know, in the sort of coming weeks, we'll sort of see how that all shakes out. But, uh, it's just a very exciting time in entertainment and sports right now. That's right. And again, uh, check it out. The Believe in Sports Law. It's uh, You can find it on the Believe Podcast Network. And Jeremy, it is always great to visit with you, brother. I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule and hope you have a great rest of your week. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up again real soon. No, looking forward to it. And uh, when I make it out to, uh, to Oklahoma, we'll have to uh, go see a game and get together. Now, back in March, Twizzlers started selling a new mystery flavor and challenged people to guess what it was. And if you guessed bean burrito, get your taste buds checked because you're way off. It's much lamer than that. Yesterday, they revealed on Twitter that the mystery flavor they've been teasing people with for months is actually raspberry. You know, that's very different than original Twizzlers, which are strawberry flavored. Yeah, way to take a risk, right? Well, granted, Raspberry Twizzlers actually sound like they might be good, while Burrito Twizzlers do not, they will be available all summer if you want to try them. In other news, it looks like men and women have different approaches to this post-pandemic summer. Women are looking for a hot girl summer full of carefree fun, while men are looking to settle down with something long-term. According to a survey by Dating.com, 63% of men said they're looking for a serious relationship this summer. Just 37% of women are into that, while more than 60% say they plan to engage in hot girl summer, maybe with a fling or two. Now, I'm just spitballing, but perhaps single women found confidence in their independence during the quarantine, while men felt a stronger need to find a partner to go through the next tough time with. got a new podcast that is going to premiere called redefine you redefine you a conversation for well-being and from that we've got Haley hasselhoff with us today and first off Haley, i appreciate you taking some time to talk about the new podcast thank you so much for having me i'm excited to have this conversation with you yeah and and how hard was it for you to to grip the idea of the podcast the subject material and to be transparent and open with that idea i mean how hard was that in the early going if you will well not hard at all because i created it <laughs> um, you know <laughs> um you know it, it wasn't hard you know actually this idea really got created on an insta live series that i projected at the beginning of lockdown and it was this idea of speaking to friends of mine in the entertainment industry about their ownership of self their mental health journey and really kind of being able to give back our toolboxes to people who may be struggling with the fear of the unknown for the first time today and now it's obviously translated into this beautiful podcast where we're still speaking to friends of mine in the entertainment world thinking about their ownership of self, which hopefully starts to encourage you to start to look within and feel grounded in the power of you. We're also speaking to different experts and practitioners around well-being and wellness stigmas to really help you build your personalized toolbox. Because I think when we're all dealing with a struggle or a challenging day, the things that you have to revert back for is what's in your toolbox. And so if we can start to encourage you to find those things that work and walk alongside you through this life, then hopefully it'll be a good day of support towards our listeners. 
And and Haley, when for you was was it obvious to you that that mental health was something that you had to really keep a grip on? When was it that that uh, that you became self aware of that, if you will? I would say at a at a pretty young age. You know, I've been in the industry uh, as a curve model since I was fourteen years old, and I kind of was put into this world of becoming a, a body activist for size inclusivity. And um, it wasn't until I would say a couple of years ago that I actually publicly came out about my mental health, but I feel like I was always thinking about mental health in some way, shape or form through being a body activist because the connectivity between our mental health and our body image walk hand in hand. And so for me, you know, it's been a really long lifetime journey. And I think that's one of the biggest things I want to project onto this podcast is every guest that we have, who comes on can showcase to you that they have struggled along the way as well and that you have to struggle to be able to get to your triumphs and that only makes you human. Um, But we don't speak about it enough. We don't vocalize it enough within our friends or our family or publicly because we have this fear of what people may think of us. So it's about having these conversations to not only help you feel more encouraged in your path but also hopefully help to destigmatize the conversation so that we can more openly feel like we can take ownership by saying, yes, I deal with anxiety. Yes, I deal with social anxiety. Yes, I deal with depression without feeling the fear of being able to speak up before it can go to something as, as, as a crisis. Now, Haley, how have you noticed from from your supporters, the folks that give you feedback, how have you noticed their ideas on mental health being affected this last year? Have have you seen people having a more reliance on uh, on mental health awareness, if you will? Definitely. I mean, I would say that mental health has been on the rise, you know, since this past year. One of the things that I think allowed us to feel a little bit more freer to speak about it in such a capacity like we are now is because we've all been dealing with a collective anxiety. The world has been dealing with a collective anxiety. And so it's freed this idea around anxiety in general and understanding each other and relating on a different level of knowing that it's okay to not be okay and you're actually never alone in your struggles that you may fear. Um, you know, one in five adults in their lifetime will deal with a mental illness. And over 615 million people are suffering globally from mental health. So if you just look at the stats alone, you start to understand why haven't we spoken about this sooner? Well, I think it it, it starts with destigmatizing the conversation and also being able to showcase that it's okay to not be okay. And that that doesn't define who you are, which is why, you know, obviously the podcast is called Redefine You because you can redefine yourself every single day, every moment in your life. And that you have the power to do that because it's your life that you're living. That is right. And again, the the new podcast is launching Redefine You, a conversation for well-being. And Haley, I want to make sure and let folks know where they can keep up with uh, the social media aspect of it as well as uh, catching up with the podcast as well. Well, if you're looking to obviously tune in to Redefine You, a conversation for well-being, it's available on all podcast platforms. So whatever favorite podcast platform you go, it is there. Um, If you are looking on social media, our hashtag is RedefineUHH. And if you want to head over to my socials at Hasselhoff, you're able to find out more about the upcoming episodes and all the behind the scenes. That's good stuff. And Haley, I look forward to the new podcast. Check it out. Redefine You, a conversation for well-being. Haley, hope you have a great rest of your week and uh, hopefully we can catch up again real soon. 
Gorgeous. I hope so as well. Have a lovely day. Now, this is a total marketing stunt, and I guess it worked because here we are talking about it. Popeyes is testing out a new menu item called the I Don't Know Meal for people who can't decide what to eat. It's specifically geared toward people in relationships who want Popeyes, but their partner doesn't know what to get. So when you ask and they say, I don't know, you can respond with, okay, great, I'll get you that then. The reason it's a gimmick is because the I don't know meal is just Popeye's most popular menu item, a chicken sandwich. And if you order online or through their app, you get one of their new premium lemonades for free. It's available for a limited time at participating locations. We've got the iconic Gary Newman on the line with us going to talk about his new album, videos, singles, all that as well. And first off, Gary, thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be here. Thank you. Now, Gary, tell us uh, the inspiration behind the new album, Intruder, that came out officially last month. A different sound, but for you, Gary, that's nothing surprising, is it? <laughs> I, I do try to move on with each record, yeah. I, I, I do try to, you know, try, just try to find sounds you've not used before and, and just keep evolving and just keep looking forward, you know, rather than just repeating what you've done in the past. So that's, that's the, the fun and the challenge of, of music. But um, in, in, with Intruder, I, I, the previous album, Savage, had a climate change theme to it, but it looks more at the human condition, you know, should the, should the worst happen you know, sometime in the future. It's a little bit of science fiction, I guess. Uh, Intruder is very different. Intruder looks at climate change from the Earth's point of view. If the, if the Earth could speak, um, if it could, um, you know, articulate the way it feels about us and, you know, what we're doing, you know, what, what would it say? So that's what Intruder is doing. Intruder is the Earth speaking. And the idea for I mean, I, I didn't know quite what to do when I when I started Intruder. I, I wanted to stay with the climate change theme because it still you know, bothers me a lot. But I didn't quite know what to do. And then my daughter Echo wrote a poem when she was eleven, I think, um, a few years ago now, um, called Earth, and that was about the the planet speaking to the other planets and and you know about how terrible people were and all the terrible things that we were doing and so on. And it was it was I think it's beautiful and it was really nicely done. Showed lots of understanding and sympathy. Uh, but I, I I took the idea uh, with her permission uh, and turned it into an album. So, so that's really how it came about. You know, it actually came out of the mind of an eleven year old. And for you, does it always come different ways? And does it surprise you every time the inspiration for the music? It's a constant worry, actually. You know, <laughs> you do worry that you, uh, you do. You, you worry that every time. I mean, like this is. I think I've made twenty-one or twenty-two albums now in total over the years. It's a lot, and you do worry that that you're not going to be able to you know, write as you know the quality of tunes that you've written before. That you're going to write out of ideas. You know, you, it's a constant. I mean, yeah, my my confidence is is fragile at best. You know, I, I'm not particularly <laughs> And, and it always feels like it's crumbling at the edges slightly. So making an album is actually pretty stressful. You, you know, most of the time in the studio, you're worrying that you haven't done as, as good a job as you could do. Mm -hmm. You're always doubting yourself, which is a good thing, you know, because it, it drives you to work hard and to, and to really, really look at what you're doing and not, and not be easily satisfied, I guess. Um, but, it's that, you know, it is, you have those days where everything goes well and you think, oh, great, you know, but that, that kind of makes up for the last two weeks where it, it wasn't going so well. Um, 
But that, that's pretty much what it's like. You know, you're kind of struggling forward and you're, you're kind of battling with your own confidence, really. And hopefully at the end of all that, you know, you've driven yourself hard enough and you come up with an album that's, that's worthy. Now, Gary, this last year, as everybody's had time to themselves, I know that it, folks have seen maybe different ways of doing things, new inspirations. Did did you have any new like light bulb moments for you this last year? I, I honestly didn't. No, um, not not as far as creating music is concerned. Anyway, I mean, you know, the album was was three quarters finished before uh, the pandemic hit. So I was already, you know, deeply entrenched. In a way, I was already in my own bubble. You know, I have a studio mm-hmm. at home. So I wake up in the morning, go to the studio, come out at night, you know, go to sleep and repeat, you know, for about two years. <laughs> that's pretty much what you're doing. And so it, it, when the pandemic came along, I just carried on doing that. You know, so it didn't, it didn't, I didn't need to change anything or adapt to it because I'm, you know, like I say, I got my studio at home anyway, so I was already immersed in that in that process. But when the album was finished, then things are very different. Now, normally, when an album's finished, you you immediately go out on tour, and you know that whole structure of how you you have a, an album campaign has been established for decades. And that's what I've always done. You know, I've been doing this forty odd years now, and that's mm-hmm. the way it's always worked. And of course, you can't now. There was no tour in the, initially when it first came out. Everything was cancelled, and so and doing everything on Zoom. You know, I wasn't meeting people face to face. wasn't going out, chatting to people the way I would have done before. So that that was very very different. So yes, the, you know, things were different when it was done, but but the making of it, not really, not 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 really. And as you have this one out now, like you said, uh, different times than we've had before. Does Gary? Does this maybe give you an opportunity to learn some some new things for the for the next album release, if you will? <laughs> God, that would be good. I, I, <laughs> I just I've, I've been doing it so long. You know, I, I, I kind of not sure there's much more I could learn. Really, um, I've been doing this. My I mean, I'm quite old now. I've been doing this my entire adult life since I was a teenager, and I'm 63 now. So I mean, I'm, there probably is there probably are things that I can learn, uh, and I I should be more should be more open to it, I guess. But, <laughs> no, I feel like I'm pretty much sort of in a groove now. You know, I'm I am where I am. That's right. And again, the the album is Intruder. Gary, I always want to make sure and let our listeners know where they can find not only more information about the album, the videos, the singles, but uh, but also everything you've got going social media-wise as well, sir. Um, well, I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and, and uh, Facebook. Um, I'm not particularly good with any of them. I've got a <laughs> website that I've just given a, an Intruder uplift, an up, uplift to, update to. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad at all that sort of thing. Actually, uh, it's very one way as well. You know, I'm I'm very I'm, I'm very aware. Of, you know, there's a lot of negative things that you can you can stumble across on social media. So I I'm quite cautious in how I go about it, and I, I tend to put things on there, let people know what I'm doing. I don't look at comments. I don't look at feedback. You know, it's not worth the, it's not worth exposing yourself to some of that more negative stuff that's out there. But you know, it's very useful, and and I, you know, it keeps people in touch with what you're doing. Um, but you know, like I say, it's very much a one-way street as far as I'm concerned. There's too many idiots out there just wanting to, <laughs> to be negative about stuff. I've got no time for that. You know, I want to enjoy the life, the life that I've got. 
the album Intruder. Gary Newman, it has been great to have some time with you, sir. I appreciate that. Hope you have a great rest of your week and uh, look forward to catching up again. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Well, thanks again for joining us for this 99th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, maybe anything else you'd like to know, you can hit me up on the contact page at gqwithcam.com. You can also find me on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook at GQWithCam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, you can visit our merch store where we've got hoodies, shirts, stickers, tumblers, and mugs, and lots more. That's gqwithcam.com forward slash shop. If you have a special guest idea, email me gqwithcam at gmail.com. Well, thanks again to our good friend Brandon Allen for coming up with our theme music. We're going to let him play us out and hope you guys have a great rest of your Thursday. 